Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined as always by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, we're another day closer to Packers Dolphins. Back at home, Packers have a home game for Thank the uh, only time God. in the month of November here. 47 day stretch, by the way. This is the only home game. Can you believe that? 47, 47 days, days. That days. What it is. Wow. All right. Well, 325 Central Time kickoff on Sunday afternoon at Lambeau Field. Going to be a little chilly. Sounds like mid-30s. And uh, a Florida team coming up here to Lambeau Field. So the Packers need to use that to their advantage. But where I wanted to start today's show is talking about a young defensive player who, quite frankly, Wes, has the opportunity of his career in some respects right now. And I'm talking about second-year safety Josh Jones, a second-round pick out of North Carolina State a year ago. In the last couple weeks, the Packers have traded HaHa Clinton Dix. They have released Jermaine Whitehead. Josh Jones is going to be getting a lot of snaps, and if he wants to prove that he can be a regular, a fixture in this Mike Pettin defense for the rest of this season and perhaps going forward, now's his chance. This is all he wanted, Mike. It was yeah. really interesting listening to him talk at his locker on Wednesday. I actually spoke for about 15 minutes with reporters, uh, just kind of overlaying what this last you know two months has been like for him. And you got to remember, Mike, this is a guy that came in as a second-round pick, ran a 4-4, had you know just sky high expectations, and then played a lot as a rookie. Played over 700 defensive snaps, started seven games, played in all 16. Then he ends up having an ankle injury at the end of training camp, misses the first three games of this season, and when he gets back, he's on special teams. Actually, had only played six defensive snaps in his first four games prior to the Patriots. So, I don't want to portray it as like a, a FOMO, like a feeling of missing out thing with all these young defensive backs, but. To a certain extent, he was really champing at the bit to get that opportunity to get out there and show again why the Packers drafted him and the element he can add to this defense. You know, he really wasn't going to get into, you know, all the personnel stuff and what's led to get him to this point. But he said there was a lot of anticipation. There was a lot of excitement going into that game Sunday because he knew he was going to have some kind of role. I think the unexpected aspect of it is is how big that role ended up being. He played the fifth most snaps on defense mm -hmm. after the injury to Kentrell Bryce and the fact that you know Jermaine Whitehead also got ejected. Yeah, and Kentrell Bryce was back on the practice field on Wednesday on a limited basis, so signs pointing to potentially that uh, that injury not um, being all too serious. But getting back to Josh Jones for a second, this is just my observations from what I've seen. He know, and I think he knows this, but he needs to be a more disciplined football player. And what I mean by that, I'm not talking about discipline in the Jermaine Whitehead extracurricular after the play sense, but we've seen in the first season and a half of his career with a lot of snaps that he's had on special teams, he's had a lot of penalties called. Mm -hmm. And some of the penalties, you know, frankly being somewhat inexcusable because it is just a, a lack of focus or a lack of discipline that's led to those penalties and those kinds of things can make it hard for a coaching staff to trust you necessarily. So with everything that's gone on this season now, he has to just – it's almost as though he's starting fresh right now. Doesn't it seem like it that? It does. Yeah, it does seem like this is a chance to kind of turn the page a little bit. He did address that uh, at his locker on Wednesday, uh, the, the fact that he got a full start penalty on the opening kickoff. Uh, yeah, offside. Offside, right? sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he actually said – he's like, yeah, it was my bad. It's inexcusable. But he just chalked it up to that's how much excitement he had, that he, <laughs> he just needed to get going, he wanted to get going, he was ready to play some football. 
And as it turned out, with playing as many snaps as he saw on defense and special teams, uh, it ended up being that kind of day. But the thing I did like, and you pointed out what you might have missed, I mentioned it in the story I wrote on Packers.com, that, that play he made on the goal line, I really liked it for a number of reasons. Yeah. One, it was critical in the game. It was the first down play of the four-down stand that they had. Second down, Second actually. down, sorry. Yep. Yep. Uh, and the fact that you know he had to dive inside Nick Perry, got inside uh, James Devlin, or I should say uh, with uh, Corderell Patterson, to be able to get into the backfield to make that play. Everybody kind of had their man on the offensive line for mm-hmm. the New England Patriots. He had to be the unaccounted defender, and he stepped up to that, made a nice, uh, you know, pretty much textbook leg tackle on Patterson. That helped set up the four downs. We talked so much about his big playability. We saw last year some of the things he did against Cincinnati and Cleveland, but it's plays like that where you're just fulfilling your assignment that are really going to help him stay on the field. Yeah, one of the things I liked about that play, the second down, the second and goal play, when I went back and looked at it, was just seeing how disappointed he was when it was initially ruled a touchdown because he knew he had made a good play. He had done exactly what he was supposed to do. He thought he got Patterson short of the goal line, and then they signaled touchdown anyway. As we know, the replay uh, reversed that, and the ball was still inside the one-yard line. But when you look at the video of it, his dejection almost as he's walking off the field after like, oh, I thought I just, you know, it's like we had that. And, you know, then it didn't go the Packers way initially. So a passionate player, I think there's no question about that. I think, you know, you mentioned it with the play on the opening kickoff. It's it's about containing that passion and using it in the right way and not using it in an undisciplined way that can lead to some silly flags. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what you have to be able to do to avoid that kind of stuff. And the the thing that I did, uh, we were talking to him about, it's going to be interesting now, is that, okay, so as you said, Bryce actually did practice on Wednesday. Tremont Williams is playing some at safety. Uh, Ibrahim Campbell that the Packers actually claimed off waivers. Now, he's going to need time to get up to speed with stuff, but he actually does have a connection to Petten. He was drafted there during in, drafted to Cleveland right. during Petten's second year as the head coach there, so he has f- familiarity with him as well. Whatever the case may be, Josh Jones feels really confident he can find a role in this defense and really thrive in it. If it needs to be a deep safety, fine. If it ends up being the in-the-box route because there's no more Jermaine Whitehead, he's cool with that. Slot cornerback, whatever. Uh, he just wants to play. And, and I think getting those 51 defensive snaps and getting that comfort and familiarity with Tremont Williams, he even said it, he was a calming presence. It helped relax him back there working with him just based on his knowledge and, and what he knew and just being able to assume that control. Yeah, uh, He feels like there's a lot of potential, despite what they've lost in that back end, to be able to build something here going forward. All righty. Well, uh, remember, Packers fans, stop in at your local Quick Trip, pick up your Packers cup today, and get 89-cent refills on your Cafe Caruba coffee all season long. Cafe Caruba coffee. That's that's a mouthful. That is. Got to get that. You have right. to work on that I gotta, one a little I have bit, to work Michael. on that. have to smooth that one out here <laughs> as, we, uh, as we move along. But another young guy, I think, Wes, and we've already talked about him a lot already, but I did a little bit of uh, statistical research, you might say, on rookie receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Quez. And What's Mar- Mar- Qu- I, I like Did it. I say you, it no, wrong? No, you got it right. Oh, you got it right. Okay. I'm just saying that that was a big thing this week. Yeah, it was. Marquez. It, yeah, because he hears his name. He hears his name pronounced Marquez all the time, and he says, "No, it's Marquez." <laughs> got to hit so, that heavy Q. Yes, K-S-M. it's the Q. It's the Q. U. You not got the it right. K. I didn't mean to. Throw okay, you off. no, I, I, you, I started to get worried for a second no, there no, that no. I messed it up because that's the last thing I want to do to this young man. But, um, <laughs> but statistically, Wes, 
he has 358 yards receiving through eight games. And since eight games in a 16-game season makes the math easy, if you project that out, he's on pace for over 700 yards receiving. Here's an interesting little fact for you. Only three rookie receivers in Packers history have had more than 700 yards receiving as rookies. Do I get to guess? If you want to try. Okay. Do you All know right. the so three? So Sterling Sharp. Sterling Sharp is one. James Jones? Nope. Uh-huh. James Jones was just under 700. Greg Jennings? No, he was also just under 700. Don Hudson? Nope. Darn it. Uh, James Lofton. James Lofton is two. Okay. And the guy at the very top of the list has put up a huge number that perhaps no rookie will ever touch. In Jeff Query. No. Billy Houghton. Oh, wow. 1952. We would have been here for three more episodes yeah. if I was trying to get Billy Houghton. Then. Houghton had over 1,200 yards in 1952 as a rookie receiver. He's the one at the top of that list. James Lofton and Sterling Sharp both with right around 800 yards, give or take. Those are the only three in Packers history to have rookie seasons of more than 700 yards receiving. And when you look at the fact that actually 355, I believe, of Valdez Scantling's 358 yards have been in the last five games yeah. because he hardly played the first three games of the season, he's on pace for uh, for really quite a rookie season here. Geronimo Allison's on injured reserve. Um, again, the uh, the opportunity will be there, and it will be interesting to see just where this rookie season for him ranks when it's all said and done, Wes. I, so you wrote a story, obviously, on Packers.com. My favorite quote, probably, honestly, Mike, my favorite quote from MVS this entire year was, your fifth-round pick, you got to remember, out of South Florida. Right. I could care less about where I got drafted. Uh, couldn't, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I'm in this door. That's all that matters. I love that phrase. I love that mentality. Because if you go back, Mike, we talked about it right from the get-go, and the Packers coaches have mentioned this too. Valdez Scantling looked like the the rookie that was always kind of there as that number four, so to speak, right from the beginning. And I think if you would have just lined up all, you know, just put all the rookies on the field, not just the receivers, and said, okay, tell us where all these guys, which round they got taken. I mean, obviously, you'd probably still think Jair Alexander was first round just based on how he carries himself. But Valdez Scantling looks like a second or third round. He looks like a guy that just came in with expectations yep. and has just been living up to them. You don't really understand that this is a guy taken sort of during that Siberia of day three where it's just kind of like, oh, come on already, let's get to the next <laughs> round. No, I mean, this ended up being a really critical draft pick for the Packers. And, you know, I think Devontae Adams was talking about it at his locker on Wednesday as well. Nobody really expected that these rookies were going to have to come in and play as much as they had. I think everybody knows how things happen in Green Bay. At some point, you're going to be called upon. But they felt pretty good about how things looked with having Randall Cobb, having Jimmy Graham, and and Geronimo Allison. And then, heck, middle of training camp, we were talking about Jake Kumaro. Well, then here comes MVS, here comes Equinemius St. Brown, and both of those guys have really been rising to the occasion. Uh, and they're going to need him, Mike. We talked about it earlier this week. Allison's not coming back anytime soon. Valdez Scantling is off to a really good start, had five really good contests. Packers need another five from him now. They need yeah. another eight. One of the things I realized in talking with him with some other reporters at his locker on Wednesday after practice is just how confident he is. We talked about the confidence of Jair Alexander and how he kind of wears that externally. The thing I figured out, in a sense, talking with MVS, is that he's just as confident a player, but he kind of kept it inside a little bit. He knew he was walking into a situation, one of three rookie draft picks at his position, 
Geronimo Allison was the guy starting in the offseason program as the number three receiver and a job that Allison did not give up, did not really let anybody challenge him for it. Um, unfortunately, injuries have, have derailed his third NFL season. But he absolutely never doubted what he could do in this league. And he and he's, he doesn't come across as you know, crossing that line right. to, to arrogance, so to speak. He's just really confident in what he can do. And I loved his answer when he when he was asked, well, when did you know you had earned the trust of Aaron Rodgers? And he said, when he started throwing me the ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, but in a sense, that that's really how simple it is. And we've seen over the years, Wes, rookies, it, it can be difficult to make a huge impact as a rookie in this offense with Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. Now, part of that is because the Packers have been pretty well stocked at wide receiver over the years. So they haven't had to ask a lot of rookies. But when you look at it from a statistical standpoint, Devontae Adams with 446 yards in 2014, that's the most receiving yards of any rookie in the Aaron Rodgers quarterbacking era. And Valdez Scantling is less than 100 yards from already jumping over that. And it's just it's very difficult in this league, not just Green Bay, for for a rookie receiver to come in and have those type of seasons. The cornerbacks are too good. The schemes are too you know complicated. It's tough to be able to go and do it. What I like about Valdez Scantling is he has certainly the the physical makeup, but it's just some of those little things, as I've reiterated a few times now, his footwork, some of the stuff he does off the line of scrimmage, how he gains separation as he gets down the field. It isn't just all about his speed. It's not all about the 4-3-7. It's about the other things he does. And to get back to a point you made a couple minutes ago that I really like about him was, and as it relates to confidence, and, you know, Jair Alexander, to take you inside the locker room a little bit, I mean, he's walking around. He has the swagger. He comes off the practice field. He has his headphones on. Uh, you know, he's <laughs> saying hi to everybody. He's just, he's so extroverted, right? Valdez Scantling just comes in. He sits in his locker, the old Jeff Janis locker. Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Right at the end of the receiver's row. He's on his phone. He's taking his time. He's always there. And he's just been that way since the beginning. Yep. And if he comes up, he's cordial. He'll talk to you. But it's just, it's not like it's, it's extravagant or boisterous. It's just who he is, and I I really respect that. I think that's allowed him to have a lot of success. The other underrated part of his game is, and I remember doing a story on him back in the early, I think it was towards the end of OTAs, actually, about how he was lining up in a lot of different spots, you know, uh, on the boundary, in the slot. And what I and the underrated part of his game is his intelligence and how quickly he's picked everything up in this offense. And Devontae Adams said yesterday when he was asked about him, said that was one of the things that stood out from day one is right. that this is a smart dude. And he's used he's used that intelligence to his advantage to to be versatile right from the get go. And then you combine six foot four, two hundred plus pounds, four three speed, and then as I said, the confidence that he attributes to kind of coming up on the rough side of St. Petersburg, sure. Florida, but a market that produces a lot of high caliber football talent. He felt coming out of there, you know, things didn't go the way he wanted at NC State. So then he transferred to South Florida. That might have created you know, some of the the draft day weight, so to speak, for him all the way to the fifth round. But as you said, the quote that you pointed out, he doesn't care about where he got drafted now. He's in the door, and he's making an impact on this team. And everybody's player's path is different once they get the NFL. Some guys, you know, it took Jordy Nelson three years to get going. That's just the way it goes sometimes. But what I like about Valdez Scantling is he follows a very similar path when you look at Corey Lindsley, when you look at Brian Balaga, Devontae Adams, you know, these young guys, Aaron Jones last year, that get thrown in early and really can thrive. 
it, it's it's tough and it's not easy to do. But if you're able to do it, there's a really good opportunity for you to have success in this offense moving forward and in the NFL. Yeah. All right. Um, well, quickly, Wes, before we run out of time, it is time to enter the Cousin Subs Best Seats in the House promotion. You and a guest could win a chance to kick back on the 50-yard line in style. Two pairs of lucky Packers fans will be chosen prior to each home game. For this VIP experience, enter daily now through December 16 by completing the entry form and submitting. For complete rules and eligibility, go to packers.com slash best seats. Cousin subs, we believe in better. Okay, quickly, we mentioned uh, the injury update with regards to Kentrell Bryce. Brian Balaga back on the practice yep. field on Wednesday. A good sign for the Packers offensive line. And, and Blake Martinez back on the practice yeah. field, too. I was surprised with that, considering they were talking about the swelling. I saw him walking through the locker Looked room. It, it, like you wouldn't know anything had happened, and you look at the replay of that ankle injury, and it just it kind of makes you cringe. But, uh, but yeah, Blake seems to be all right. But to your point with Balaga, too, he's played through a lot throughout the course of his career. I don't think he gets enough credit for his toughness and what he's been able to to play through and play at a high level with uh, but he'd be a huge addition for them uh, going to this game against Miami if you can have the two bookend tackles available yeah absolutely well with that we need to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com on Twitter he's at West Hot I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account thanks for tuning in everybody we'll see you next time <laughs>